0: Well, friends, last week we uh, launched our theme for the year. And what's the theme? Everyone say it together. One. That's right. And we talked about, it's from John chapter 17, verse 20. Let me take you to this text. Jesus prays, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you're in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The, the context of this, of this, of this uh, verse is Jesus is, it's a Thursday night before the Friday. He's in the Mount of Olives, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. And in John 17, we have the prayer. The first, prayer of the, 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 the first part of the prayer, Jesus prays that his Father will be glorified, no doubt, through what Jesus is about to do. And then Jesus prays that he will be glorified, no doubt as a response to what he's about to do. That's the first section of the prayer. The second section of the prayer, Jesus um, prays for his disciples, the ones who walk with him each day. He prays that they'll be protected from the enemy as they continue to put their trust in him. And then the third section here, Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone, not just for my 12 disciples and maybe a few more. My prayer also... It's for them and us. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And that's us, that's me and you, who believe in Jesus through the message of the disciples who wrote the scriptures for us. And as people believed it, and and as the next generation believed it, and the next generation believed it, and eventually it was passed on to us. Jesus prays that they would be one. Now, what does that one look like? Does it look like drinking potion like we saw last week? doesn't look like taping people up or sticky tape, no, it doesn't look like that. One looks like the same relationship that we see between the Father and the Son in the triune God. And we spoke about that that last week and we said that Jesus' desire is, is for us to be one and as a church to be one, and it looks like this. It looks like one being our love for each other and one being unified around our purpose. And that's exactly what we see in the Godhead. Within the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we have this amazing love for each other. And it's not just an emotional love. It's a love that's lived out in action. There is kindness and gentleness and lifting up and encouragement. And we talked a bit about some of that last week. But they're also unified around their purpose. It was in creation that they together built the world. It is through the death of Jesus that was decided before the creation that that was put into plan after the fall. They were together working, working out salvation. And just as the, 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 the triune God is unified in their love for each other, unified around their purpose, that is the pattern for us as the church, that we're to be unified in our love for each other, we're to be unified around our purpose. And the, and, the, and the third thing that we see in this passage is this, this idea of one with God. Jesus says, may they also be in us. There is a oneness with God, and that's around Intimacy. And so this year, we're going to be talking about these sorts of things. So they're going to use them as our themes for the year. And this morning, I want to focus on our love for each other, being one as a church, and our love for each other. And, and, I, and I want to focus on that with this title, which is entitled, the title of this message is Deep Connections. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue. Are you with me this morning? you with me, Lisa? Thank you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for John 17, which says clearly what Jesus desires of his people, that, that, that they will be one. And God, as we look at the triune God, we see that you, were, that you were one around your love for each other, that you were unified around your purpose. And Father, we are pray that will be true for this church, that we will be one in our love for each other, that we will be one in purpose. And God, that we will be one with you around intimacy as we talk about these things this year, that you would stir them in us, that you would get us onto your agenda. And Father, as we come to your word now, I pray that you speak to us, you open our ears, open our hearts to what you want to say to us today. Remind me of what I prepared, anoint me for this task. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Michelle and I got married in 2004. We rented in a, a little house, little battle axe place up near Reesby, Mc, Reesby McDonald's for about a year. And then after that, we had the privilege of buying a house. $400,000 in Sydney. Nice and cheap back then, yeah? At the time it wasn't cheap, but now 400000 You guys are thinking, if only, if only. Um, and so we moved in in 2005, and it had lots of trees and bushes and shrubs. Now, I don't like trees and bushes and shrubs in my on my land, I like them in parks and gardens, and that's nice. But on my property, I like open space grass. So I, I went about getting the, the mattock and the shovel, and I went about pulling out all these plants. I started with the small ones, I started with the shrubs, and as I um, hit these shrubs, I gave them a couple of good whacks, I hit the roots, and, be, and because the roots were only shallow, they came out pretty quickly, right? And I did that through the property. But at the front of the house, there was this tree. It was about four metres high, and I I think I needed some help. I got my brother Kurt, and we got saws, and and we cut all the branches off until we got a stump about a metre high. And then for a couple of days, I spent time digging around the outside of this stump with the mattock and the shovel, and as I came across a root, I would cut the root with the mattock, and I kept digging around for hours and days to try and get this stump removed. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who's been there, done that? It's nasty, isn't it? Anyway, I got to the place where I could shake it, right? The stump was I could shake it, but the thing wasn't coming out of the ground. What's wrong with this thing? And then I said, I'll dig underneath it. So I, I, I dug underneath the stump and what I found was this tap root. a taproot a tap root, root that goes directly down from under the stump and it just puts that stump deep into the ground, holds that deep into the ground. Once I found it, I cut it with the mattock and then that tree was free and the stump went out, went in the bin and, and it was all good. Why am I sharing that story, those stories? Well, it's because I think sometimes when we think about the, the uh, church and we think about the relationships within the church, we sometimes think about them as like shrubs or bushes where the roots are surface level, they're not very deep, and that uh, if something goes wrong, well, well it's easy to, re- to remove that relationship. But when we but when we look at the scriptures the scripture is clear that the relationship within the church talking about Christians and how we relate to each other isn't like a sh- shouldn't be like a shrub with shallow roots but the scripture talk about talks about us that we are deeply connected a bit like a tree it's got strong roots that go into the dirt that holds them strong and a taproot that goes deep into the ground so that when the storm comes, when the wind comes and it blows that tree, those roots are strong and deep in the ground to hold that tree steady. And, as, and I'm about to show you some scriptures this morning that talk about the church like that. The friends, we as a church aren't like shrubs where the, where the, where the roots are shallow, but where we're like trees where the roots are deep. Where, where there's a tap taproot, where we are deeply connected to each other. And when the storms come, when the conflict comes, when the disagreement comes, when stuff happens in church life like it does, because of the deep roots that we have, because of the deep connections, the storms come, the wind blows, but we stand firm. And we keep going and we keep believing and we keep loving because that is God's agenda for his church. You know, when, when you have... Deep roots, you have a strong tree. When you, have deep connect, when you have deep connections, you have a strong church. Take a moment, have a look around the room. Have a look at each other, church. Now, most, I'm assuming that the, that the majority of us are followers of Jesus in this room today. Have a look at each other. You guys are the church. You guys are a good looking bunch. Aren't you, aren't you good looking? No one answered that. Aren't you good looking? Yeah, particularly for the married people, the one right next to you, amazingly good looking. Friends, let me ask you this question. What sort of relationship do you have with the people in this room? Let me change that question. What sort of relationships, put an S on it, do you have with the people in the room? Have a look. Have a look around. What sort of relationship do I have with that person? Do I have with that person? Do I have with that person? And as I asked that question, someone yelled out an answer um, from that seat there, and they said, it's varied. I was at the nine o'clock service, and that's right. For some people in this room, you may have never met them before. True? Is anyone in that position? Yep, never met some people before. Good. Um, you might know some faces. You might be a position where you go, I know that person's face, but I don't know their name. I had that situation. I forgot Gavin's name this morning at nine o'clock. I'm going, I can't remember your name for the fifth time. Oh, dear. How bad's that? Um, you might know names, though you might know faces and not names. Maybe you know names. Maybe you know their family situation. Maybe you are, have a deeper relationship and you know their story. Or maybe you are really, really, really connected to that person. Maybe it's your wife or your husband or a kid or, a, or someone that you're really close friends with. The, rea- the reality is that in a room and, and a church that, the, the size that we have, you aren't going to know everyone. You may know faces. You may know names. And you're only going to have tight relationships with only a few people. But although there are different levels of relationship within our church, the truth is is that we are deeply, deeply connected to each other. Let me tell you why. Because when you become a Christian, the Spirit of God comes and lives within you. He, He makes your spirit alive, and the dwelling of God is within you. And if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God within you, and friends, that unifies us. If you're a Christian this morning, we all have the same blood. You know, we talk about O positive, O negative, all those types of blood, but friends, we have the blood of Jesus that washes us, that covers us, that we all have the same blood that was stretched out when he he gave his life for me and for you. We all have forgiveness of sin. We have shame and guilt removed, and that's because of what God, God's done for us, and that's another reason why we are deeply connected. So whether or not we're really close with some people and not close with others, and, I'm not, and that's okay. You can't be close with everyone, but, but let me tell you this. Whether or not a person is a Christian in Australia or a Christian in Africa or a Christian in England or America, wherever it's from, we are deeply connected as Christians because of the Spirit. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Christ has done for us, because God is our Father, we are deeply, deeply connected. Let me show you some scriptures that point to this. The first scripture I want to show you is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. In this passage, it's talking about the the, uh, Jews and and the Gentiles, And, and at one point in history, they were opposite, in conflict with each other. But in Christ... The two become one. Look at this. You are no longer foreigners, talking to Gentile believers. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So as Gentile believers, we're not some group over there. No, no. Believers are now together. And God sees us together. And he sees us as members of his household. Think about your household for a moment. In my household, there's me and Cheryl, and there's Aidan, Joel, and Alicia. There's five of us. We don't have any pets. I know some of you guys want to include pets as family members, but yes, some of you guys do. I know there's a few dog lovers. Any dog lovers in the room? Yeah, there are. You guys are into that thing. That's lovely, isn't it? We'll celebrate that. We'll pray for you later. There's prayer ministry at the end, all that sorts of stuff. But in our family, there's five. But God talks about us as his household. God says that we are part of his family. We're not just people scattered who are Christians who believe in God doing our own thing, but we're actually part of his household. Look at the next scripture. In Galatians 3 chapter Galatians chapter 3, verse 15, he, he calls Christians brothers and sisters. Now, sisters is not in the original Greek, but, but when he says brothers, that's the meaning of the word, that we're all brothers, that we're all united, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, we are family. We are part of God's family. Think about your brothers and sisters. Think about the relationship you have with them. Now, it might be a really bad one. So think what a positive, godly um, relationship should be with your brothers and sisters. And that's how God describes us as his church, part of his household, brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Being a Christian and being on your own, that's not how it works. Being a Christian and being part of God's church, being part of his body, we've all got a place. We're all important to God. We're all important to each other. We're all part of it. In Romans chapter 12, he's talking about the gifts, talks about leadership, administration, mercy, generosity. And if you have those gifts, he said, use them. And I love this scripture because people go, yeah, I've got that gift and I've got that gift and I got." And that's great to recognize your gifts. And we regularly use those gifts in our world of business or in our world of sport or in our world of whatever it is. And we sometimes forget to use the gift that God has given us within the church. And this, and this scripture says, use the gift God has given you within the church for just as each one of us has one body with many functions, and these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You belong to me, and I belong to you. Is there a song about that? That just reminds me of something. You belong to me, and I belong to you. We're in this together. We are family church. We are family. There's a song about family. Can you help me? We are family, I got all my sisters with me. We are family, get up everybody and sing. You have to sing. I'll just sing it. That's fine. We are family. We are family. We are family. Have a look around the room, friends. We are family. Now, the Scripture talks about the natural family. Natural family, Michelle, me, Aidan, Joel, Alicia. It's our family, right? And if you read Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes a lot about how husbands are to treat their wives and how wives are to treat their husbands. It talks about how fathers are to treat their children. In 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about the husband and wife relationship, even about the sexual relationship there. There's lots written in the Scripture about the natural family. But as you read the New Testament, there's heaps written about God's church. And I've just shown you a few scriptures. God's church and God's family. And the point of today's message is to hopefully tweak your thinking. Because if we're going to be one in love, we're going to be one in purpose, a foundation is to know who we are. And my hope is that you rethink relationships within the body of Christ. That we are family. You know, Jesus says this, Incredible, incredible verse in Matthew chapter 12. And when I read this, I was like, wow. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. Look at, look at Jesus' response. Jesus says, who is, my, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples he said to them, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and sister and brother. Got it around the wrong way. Wow. In the psalm, it, it uses that word selah. You read a bit. Selah, pause, reflect. Selah on this. Jesus says, My mother and my brothers are those who do the will of my Father. Wow. Puts a bit of different spin on it, doesn't it? Takes it to a whole new level. Now, before you think Jesus just, just threw away his family, let me show you this scripture. In, in John 19, when Jesus is on the cross, he's dying on the cross. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, And whenever you see that, that's actually the writer of the gospel, John's gospel, whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So Jesus still deeply cared for his family, his natural family. That's clear from that scripture. Otherwise, he wouldn't be interested in his mum. But he did that to make sure that his mum was okay. But Jesus says, Your mother, your brothers and sisters are those who do the will of my Father. Another scripture from Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. 3,000 are saved. And then it tells us how the church functions. He says, the, the writer Luke writes in Acts, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 44, here it is. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That sounds like family to me. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, that those who were being saved. It's interesting. In these scriptures in John 17, it talks about, in the next couple of verses, it talks about how that the world would know, the world would know about Christ because of, because of that the world would know about God because of God in us. It talks about there how the believers, had everything in common, they shared their possessions, they gave to those in need. you know when you see a christian who 's in need, how do you respond? How do you respond? Do you just say oh, that 's their issue or do we treat them like brothers and sisters in need and come to their come to their rescue, come to support them in verse twenty five of uh, Romans 15, At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints, bringing aid to the Christians in Jerusalem. For Macedonian Achaia, whatever, how do you pronounce that, had been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. These churches, hundreds of miles away, found out, found out about poor Christians in Jerusalem, so they took up a collection to support them. Because I saw them as brothers and sisters in Christ. When, in the um, early 90s, my dad lost his job, and Mum and Dad started a cleaning business. We delivered torch newspapers, we delivered pamphlets, and we're all involved. We did lemmington drives as a way of keeping the family going. And, and one Sunday after church, um, we got home, and there was an envelope, letterbox under the door. Can't remember. And inside that letterbox, someone in the early 90s put $200 in an envelope. Now in the that was like $1,000 today, $200 all in 90s. Who knows what? Leaps of money. And it turned out to be a family from church, another, another brother, brother and sister in Christ. He saw our family in need. Well, they thought we were in need. We're actually okay, but they thought we were in need. And they gave us a gift to support us because Dad was out of work. Never forgotten it. Impacting people's lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, even if, even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Paul goes to Corinth, preaches the gospel, people get saved. Then he disciples them, he trains them, he, he fathers them in the faith. He fathers them in the faith. And friends, you might have a father in the faith, someone who's mentored you, someone who taught you, someone who discipled you, someone who encouraged you in your journey. Have you got a father or a mother in the faith? Because when you become part of God's family, that's what happens. People who have gone before us, train us and teach us. People who have gone before us, encourage us, release us to be the people that God wants us to be. And in, and in, and in some groups, some people groups, where if you become a Christian, you are killed for that, or you are rejected from your family. If you are rejected from your family, these people come out of their natural family and they join God's family and friends. We're the only family they got. We are the mums and dads. We are the brothers and sisters because they're Christians and they only have God's family because they're rejected by their own family. Are you a father in the faith to someone else? If you're a Christian for some time, who are you speaking life into? Who are you encouraging? Because we're family. To each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, talking about spiritual gifts, prophecy, healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all the gifts. And the scripture says very clearly those gifts just aren't for you. Why? They're forgiven for the common good, the building up of the church, the equipping of the saints. We are family and God has given us gifts. He's given us resources. He's given us stuff within us to give to others in the church, to give to others in the family of God, friends, because we a family, and we are deeply connected. We're not just some distant cousin that's on the other side of the world who we never talk to. No, we are deeply connected because of the Spirit, because of the blood of Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, and because of what he's done in our lives. We're deeply, deeply connected. Church, we are family. Brothers and sisters. Some of us are mums and dads in the faith. And my hope this morning is that your your thinking about the church is tweaked, that the level of commitment to each other rises. Your concern, your support, your encouragement for each other increases because if we're going to be one, one around purpose, one around loving each other, we've got to recognize that we're deeply connected as family members. Four thoughts to finish. Come on, Sammy, bring the team up. Number one, four thoughts to finish. What we're going to do today is that I'm going to finish this message in about five minutes. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. We're going to do songs at the end of, message, at the, end of the services now. That was part of Ben's influence. Thank you, Ben, for that. Um, and then after the song, I'm going to invite the prayer team forward, and we're going to have opportunity for prayer. That's where we're headed. Four thoughts. Number one, do not neglect your natural family for the sake of your church family. You know, you can hear this message, and you hear Jesus says, My father and my mother are the ones who do the will of my father. And you go, awesome, that's where my family is. And it's easy to neglect your natural family, your wife and your kids. And I did this. Um, When I first became the pastor a year into marriage, I was so focused on LifeGate Church and leading it well. I was out way too many nights and so focused that Michelle said to me over and over again, Nathan, you're not home. This is not working. Nathan, you're not home. This is not working. I had earmuffs on. I had a veil over my eyes. I wasn't hearing. I wasn't seeing. I thought the church... I was acting like, acting like the church was more important than my relationship with my wife. And it took me a few years to work it out, and eventually I worked it out, and I had to apologize and repent, and I'm much better now, aren't I, Michelle? <laughs> Big voice. Yes. yes. In the first service, she was standing up. Are you going to play bass? Come on, yeah. No. She's going to pray. Awesome. So in the first service, Michelle was standing up with the bass, and I said it, and she didn't hear me correctly. First time, and she looked at me like, what are you talking about? And everyone thought it was very funny. But that was um, not as well as we should have done that. I neglected my family. Church family so important. Natural family so important. And we also don't want our kids hating church. We want our kids going Sunday, yes, ablaze. Little treasures worship. It's going to be great. God thank you, not God, mum and dad, thank you, can we go to church today, can we go to church today? We don't want to spend all our time at church and our, our kids are neglected. That's the first thought. second thought is this. You can't be close with everyone, but you can be close with some. Now, for some of us, us all or nothing type people, our drivers, full on excellence people, we go, okay, God wants me to be deep connections and have um, and care for the church, and we just go, okay, I've got to meet everyone's needs. And you can't do that, can you? It's impossible. Like This is only one church. How about Pats the Baps, the Southwest Christian Church? And how about the, the, the churches in the Western Sydney, and then Australia, and then England, and America, and South Africa, and Philippines, and, and, and the list goes on about where, where, where God's church is. And we can't possibly be in deep relationships with everyone. Although we're deeply connected to them, we can't have deep relationships with everyone. And friends, That's okay. That's okay. You can't have deep relationship with everyone, but you can have deep relationships with some. Those in your life group, those in the ministry that you serve, those who are doing Christian life with you, have deep relationship with them. Be close with them. Support them. Encourage them. Help them be the people that God wants them to be. Third thought is this. Oops, let me turn it off third thought of this: Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That's not my thought. That's Andy Stanley's thought. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Now, the opposite of trying to serve everyone, the opposite of that is going. Well, there's so many people to serve. That's just too many people. Daryl talks about one of his kids having so much food on a plate when they were young, and if there was too much food, they're like, I can't eat all that, so they didn't eat anything. That's Daryl's story of one of their kids, and that can be true in the church. We go, well, there's so much need. It cripples us and we don't do anything for anyone because there's so much to be done. Andy Stanley says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. If someone in your circle is in need, meet that need. If someone in your circle is struggling, support them, encourage them, get alongside them. You can't do it for everyone, but you can do it for one. And you know what? If everyone does it for one, the needs are going to be met across God's church. Last thought, final one. Islands aren't deeply connected. Islands aren't deeply connected. What I mean by that is that if you're a Christian this morning, God doesn't want you to be an island, meaning to be on your own. He wants you to be deeply connected with other followers of Jesus. There are many Christians who just don't go to church, who don't connect, and it's usually because of some hurt because of some pastor because of some thing that's happened within the church. And friends, that's really sad when that happens. And you might be in that place, you might be coming to this church and you're going, are they trustworthy? Do I want to get close with these people? Are they going to hurt me? That other group did. And the reality is, yeah, we most probably will hurt you because we're people. It's not our intention, but that's part of life. And when someone does hurt you, talk to them about it. And Tell them they've hurt you, and our culture is to say sorry and and to sort the relationship out. Friends, we're not called to be on our own. We're called to be part of God's church, and we are part of it if you're a Christian because of your standing in Christ. But we're called to be together, brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, unified together. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, but don't be an island. Let's be connected together. Just before Sam sings, God doesn't want us to have relationships like shrubs or little bushes where the roots are shallow. God's agenda is that we're like trees where the roots are deep, where the taproot is there so when the storms and the waves of life come, we can stand firm and we are deeply connected to each other because of the Spirit, because of the blood, because of His death, His resurrection, because of the the, uh, new life that He gives us, because of the God that we worship, we are deeply connected. Let's see each other as family, and let's respond to each other as family. In Jesus' name, amen.